You are listening to the Pursuit Church Essay Podcast. We are a group of imperfect, real people on a mission to pursue God and love people. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. All right, well, let's get into week two of our sermon series that we're in right now called Relational Vampires. Relational Vampires. In other words, learning, we're learning how to deal with challenging people, right? Learning how to deal with challenging people, you know, those ones that kind of can suck the life out of us, right? Last week, we talked about controlling people, and my beautiful bride kicked our series off as as we talked about controlling people and how to love them and and how to deal with, with those kinds of relationships. Today, well, before I even get, give me a preview of next week. Next week, we're going to talk about how to deal with needy people. You know, those clingers that just kind of seem, just always need something, and everything you give is never enough. But we're going to learn how to love needy people. We're going to learn how to deal with that. But today, we're going to talk about something that we all experience. And, And these kind of people are in our lives. I guarantee it. Every single one of us in this room has this person or these people in their lives. Today we're going to talk about critical people. Critical people. Now, as I, even as I'm talking, I think you're probably already picturing in your mind that person or those people whose gift it seems to be to be able to just point out your flaws or point out those things that you know, you could do better, right? You know, criticism is something that we're all going to face. It's something that we're all going to have to deal with. You know, it's been said that really the only way to avoid criticism is to do nothing, say nothing, or be nothing. But I hate to tell you this, even that's not really true because If you don't do anything, say anything, or be anything, you're going to get criticized for being lazy, okay? So we're not going to escape critical people or criticism in this life. We need to know how to deal with it. We need to know how do we deal with critical people? How do we deal with criticism? Because we all have critics in our lives, don't we? Can I get an amen on that? Everybody has critics in their life. Maybe it's your boss, You know, the one that notices every mistake but never compliments you when you do something right. Maybe you are an adult, but people in your family, maybe even your parents or whoever, still criticize you. They criticize your parenting, criticize where you work, talk about what church you go to, and they always have a comment about how your life should be better, could be better, might be better. Anybody deal with those things? I mean, you know, and maybe, you know, come on, we're getting close to home now. Maybe you have a a spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend who, you know, I mean, just point out things to you like, you know, watch the way you eat. Uh, Not quite sure I like the shirt you have on today. Uh, I don't know, you know, maybe you don't load the dishwasher right. I'm just saying, come on. I mean, you know, there's just things that kind of come up, you know. You know, there's some people that are close to you that, that are, that are going to criticize you, okay? And most of the time, and most of those people do have your best interests at heart, but some of them don't. 
I'm just being real here for a minute. And then there are those that criticize you that you really don't know that well. You know, maybe that's the Facebook, you know, uh, war going on. Or, you know, uh, that person at work that, you know, they think they know you, but they really don't, you know. Or maybe it's that friend of a friend who heard something about you. Anybody ever deal with that one? You see, criticism and critical people can come from many corners. Let me say that again. Criticism and critical people can come from many different corners. So how do we handle critical people? How do we handle criticism? You know, Jesus had a lot of critics. Anybody know that? Jesus had a lot of critics. You know, if you go look, he was criticized for eating with sinners. He was criticized because he ate too much. He was actually called a glutton at one point in Scripture. He was criticized because he drank with his friends and disciples. In fact, Jesus was even criticized and accused of being Satan himself. Hello? Wow. Jesus had a lot of practice dealing with critics. And yet, despite that, he was able to show us how we should respond to them. I want to share with you today three ways that we can biblically deal and respond to criticism. One, we can let it go. Two, we can respond, but slow. And three, we can learn and grow. We're going to talk about those three today. Let's talk about the first one. Let it go. This is the way that Jesus handled most critics. He actually just let it go. In fact, if we look in 1 Peter 2.23, this is what Peter reminds us about how Jesus handled criticism most of the time. It says, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. You know, when you see that word revile, that doesn't mean, I don't like your shoes. No, revile is a very personal, abusive type of criticism. Okay, that's, the, that's a lot of the criticism that Jesus dealt with. And despite this abusive form of criticism, Jesus chose primarily to ignore it and to let it go. The end of that scripture tells us why. Because Jesus knew what we forget, and that is this, that God is the judge of people's motives and actions, not us. Remember that. When others criticize you most of the time, our response should be to let it go and to move on. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't consider what we hear that we don't process and consider the criticism. It also doesn't mean that our feelings might not get hurt in the moment, because they definitely might. But this is what letting go looks like. It's forgiving them right then and there. It's not waiting two months to forgive them. It's when you let something go, you're making a decision right then and there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to provide real-time forgiveness right now. And that if the words that are being spoken, if the criticism coming your way is untrue, let God deal with that. Even if it is somewhat true, or even if there is truth in it, then let God deal with you. Okay? 
Either way, we're going to put that in God's hands. Because God says very clearly in his word that he will fight our battles. Okay, God's going to fight our battles. In fact, we're reminded of that in Romans chapter 12, verse 19. This is what it says. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. I'm not suggesting that we should wish bad things on those that criticize us. We, you know, that's, that's not what that's really saying. It's just saying God's going to handle it, okay? You see, even, in, uh, even though Jesus ignored most of the criticism that came his way, he still wanted the best for the critic. Remember, Jesus came to die for that critic. Just as much as he did his supporters, he came to die for his critics, So you see, Jesus still wanted the best for them. He just chose not to respond all the time. That's all. Come on now. Jesus also said in another part of Scripture, this is some bonus material, that we should pray for our enemies. That's what he said. He goes, actually paraphrasing, he said, actually it's pretty easy to pray for those that you love. That's pretty much what he said. That's actually... Not doing a whole lot is kind of what he said. Not that prayer isn't important, but he said, if you really want to pray, pray for your enemies. Pray for those who criticize you. Pray for those who persecute you. And so like Jesus, I hope that we're praying for our critics, as hard as that may be. By letting it go, by forgiving them in real time, we're following Jesus' example. And we're following the example of Jesus who was criticized and killed, the Scripture said, like a lamb being led to the slaughter. When he went before Pilate, when he went before the rulers of the day, shortly before his criticism, he actually just stood. And he did not answer every criticism that came his way. He stood and went to the cross like a lamb to slaughter for you and I. And when we're able to do that, we're following his example. In fact, Jesus' final words to his critics were these. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's how he responded to the criticism of his day. Now, while letting go of criticism should be our response most of the time, sometimes, sometimes we might respond. But if we do, we better respond slowly and carefully. So when might we want to respond? What what are those circumstances or situations that may dictate a response from us? Well, this is where two words come into the picture, proximity and position. Proximity and position. You see, the proximity someone has to you, in other words, how close they are to you, And the position that they hold in your life, a position of influence, in those kinds of situations and with those kinds of people, when they criticize you, oftentimes a response is appropriate. But we need to do it the right way. We need to do it the right way. And I'm still going to tell you this. Even in those situations, I'm telling you, even in those situations, letting it go is still probably your your best answer. Letting it go is still probably your best answer. 
But every once in a while, every once in a while, we might need to respond. Now, I want you to notice the word respond, not react. What does reaction bubble up in our minds? Emotion, right? When, when we react to criticism, instead of respond to criticism, we're likely to give an emotional response. Now, here's the thing. When emotion is high, wisdom is low. I'm going to say that again. When emotion is high, wisdom is low. Okay? So that's why if we're going to do something about a critic that's close to us in proximity, a big part of our life, better make sure we're responding and not reacting. We need to respond, not react. James 1.19 cautions us about this, as this is what it says. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to what? Slow to speak, and slow to what? Slow to anger. Hear me on this. You should not waste one minute of your life responding to someone that doesn't know you, care about you, or have your best interests at heart. I'm going to say that again. Don't spend one minute of your life responding to somebody and their criticism that doesn't know you, love you, or have your best interests at heart. Don't, just don't do it. Don't do it. Next time you get on Facebook and you want to blast somebody, don't do it. Don't do it. It's just a recipe for frustration and futility. That's all it is. It's a, re- it's a recipe for frustration and futility. Don't waste your time. However, there's going to be times that you have people that are close in proximity, close in position, they're a part of your life, that you might need to correct a false assertion or a false assumption. Okay? But, guys, that's really the only time you should be responding is to do one of those two things. Not defend yourself to make you feel better. Not defend yourself to make a point. Not, no. The only really good reason to respond to criticism of somebody close is to correct a false or inaccurate assumption or assertion. And there may be times when you do need to set the record straight, okay? Now, as I said a few moments ago, Jesus' go-to response was to let it go. However, however, there are times in Scripture that Jesus did correct false assumptions or false information that his critics brought before him. Let me give you an example of that. Matthew chapter 26 Verses 6 through 13, and this is what happened there. It says, Now Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper. A woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of a very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they were what? Indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble this woman? 
For she has done a beautiful thing to me, for you will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, think about this statement, because this statement is actually happening right now. (laughs) Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed, here in 2022, in the whole world, what this woman has done, what she has done, will be told in memory of her. We actually just fulfilled the words of Jesus right here at Pursuit Church on February 13th, 2022. This woman still lives in Scripture. Her example, come on, is still speaking to us right now. Wow. So what we see in this story, though, is a great example from Jesus about when to respond and how to respond. If you're going to respond to criticism, this is a really good model. Okay, This is a really good example that Jesus has given us. So first, notice Jesus is not responding to some angry Facebook mob here, right? Uh, He's responding to those in close proximity and close position in his life. His disciples, that's who he's giving this response to, okay? He's not giving it to just anybody, you know, out, out in left field. He's not at the Pharisees. No, he's, he's giving this response to people that are in close proximity and position in his life. Because, you see, Jesus had the responsibility of not only being their Lord and Savior, but their teacher. That's a responsibility Jesus had was to teach them, just like he's teaching us. As such, when Jesus was confronted with their wrong thinking or their misunderstanding of the situation, he felt in that spot it was appropriate to respond to their criticism. And he was criticized. They were saying, you know, come on, we could have used that money for the poor. We could have, you know, literally, that's criticism. He was being criticized in real time. And Jesus said, wait a minute. I'm gonna have, I am going to have to respond to this because if I don't, I'm going to leave a wrong impression. I'm going to leave something in their minds that isn't right, that isn't accurate, that isn't true. Now, you notice Jesus didn't respond out of anger, right? Jesus was both truthful and thoughtful in his response. It wasn't out of, he didn't react, he responded. He responded. He chose to address the situation again because if he didn't, he was going to leave wrong information out there in their minds, okay? So not only did he help clarify what the pouring of the ointment on him really was about, it wasn't about some lady just wasting perfume on his head. He was foretelling, hey, I'm going to, he was reminding them again, I'm going to die for you. She is preparing my body for burial. So he was using that opportunity to to really tell them what was going on. Not what they thought, what was really going on. And, And he also protected the reputation of that woman. Two things were going on. He was clarifying, but he was also covering and protecting really an innocent party here. I mean, someone that really wasn't doing something wrong. He was trying to make sure her reputation was also corrected. And as he went on to say, 
that woman's story would be told and told and told. It's being told today. Wow. You know, if you choose to respond to a critic, make sure you have the right motive. If you're going to make that decision, make sure you have the right motive. Now, I'm going to tell you this. Even if you have the right motive, even if you do it the right way, even if you do it dot, dot, dot all the way, there are going to be some critics you can't satisfy. There will be some critics you cannot satisfy. You know how I know that? Because Jesus experienced that very thing. Do you realize we just read through verse 13 of Matthew 26. In verse 14, one verse later, do you know what story we start reading about? Judas. Judas, just one Verse later, we start reading about one of those critics. Judas was a disciple. He was in that crowd. By the way, Judas was also the money keeper. Did you know that? Some of you knew that already. Some of maybe this first revelation. Judas was in charge of the money. So when the disciples were saying, we could have used this money to feed the poor, I'm going to tell you right now, I believe Judas was at the front of that line. He's the one that had the money. He was the money keeper. And ultimately, even though Jesus explained everything, Judas ended up loving money more than his master. You see, Judas was a critic that wouldn't be convinced. He wouldn't be, for whatever reason, he was not going to be convinced or satisfied with the explanation that Jesus gave. And some of your critics won't be satisfied either. Here's the thing, you've got to learn to be okay with that. You've got to learn to be okay with that. Jesus was okay with it. Hey, he didn't, he didn't stop loving Judas right then and there. He didn't cancel him. He didn't, uh, you know, start cussing him out. He didn't start saying, okay, well, Judas, man, uh, I know what, and remember, Jesus knew. See, Jesus had a knowledge you and I don't have. We don't always know the motives of people or our critics. Jesus actually did know his motives. He still loved him anyway. He didn't cancel him. He didn't say, yeah, Judas, I know eventually you're going to trade me for 30 pieces of silver, but I'm still going to love you. Come on, man. Come on. So some of Jesus' own disciples didn't get satisfied by his explanations. Some of your critics won't either. Now, I want to go to the, the, the third response that we have for criticism. That is to learn and grow. Man, I'm telling you, this is by far the most difficult. Anyone feel me on this? Man, this is the hardest one of all. But, man, it's the one that has such opportunity for us to grow. What do we say our word for this year is as a church? Growth. I'm telling you, this, this third one, as hard as it may be, provides the biggest opportunity. Proverbs 12:15 says this: "The fool is right in his own eyes. Woo! But a wise man listens to advice. 
man, I'm telling you, as hard as it may be to process that criticism when it comes your way or that critical person, guess what? We can often find good advice and good counsel from our critics. It's there. It's there. We got to dig it out and we got to let it in to a healthy way. But it's there. You know, no matter where the criticism may come from, if we're wise, we should learn from it. Where Whatever corner the criticism may come from, we need to learn to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and let that criticism help us grow. Now, there's useful truth. That's what we should be looking for when, when we start discerning what truth am I going to allow in or get in from criticism. We want it to be useful truth because, you see, criticism should not be used to condemn us. That's, that's not, the, the, but, but we take it that way if we're not careful, right? We can take criticism as condemnation, but that's not the real value or point of criticism. Hopefully, we're using it to correct us. Come on, everybody, yeah, nobody gets it right all the time, y'all. Come on now, nobody gets it right all the time. We all need correction. We all need improvement. None of us gets it right all the time. Say that with me. None of us gets it right all the time. Okay, and I do mean none of us, okay? There's only one perfect person. His name is Jesus. The rest of us. We got issues, okay? Come on. We have things called blind spots. Everybody knows what that is, right? It's something that everybody else can see in you, but <laughs> you just don't seem to, to be uh, cognizant of it. You don't, see, you don't seem to be. That's why it's called a blind spot, right? Everybody else, Bob, you know, no, man. What? 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 Do, what? Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So you see, even our critics can serve a purpose. Now, here's, you know, again, it doesn't mean we respond to every critic. It doesn't mean we respond to everybody. But we should learn to filter criticism to see what truth is there. To see what truth is there. Listen, man, if multiple people tell you something, chances are it's not their inaccurate criticism. It's your issue, it's your hang-up, it's your behavior, something's going on that you might want to address, okay? Because in the mirror, you're still looking at you, okay? So three people say, uh, Bob, I don't know about that choice of uh, shirt you have on today, bud. <laughs> um, I, I might want to think about that for a minute, <laughs> you know? Now, there's even more serious things than that. I'm keeping it light on the on the surface, but, you know, someone says, you know, I don't know, man. You don't listen very good, dude. I mean, you know, you seem to always want to talk when someone else is, is wanting to say, oh, that, that, that just hits a little more at home. But it's important. If, if multiple people are telling you things, you might want to take a minute and listen. And how about the next time someone points something out to you? Instead of getting mad as our first reaction, which is that's usually what we do, Maybe we consider, are they right about that before I respond? How about that? You see why this third one is the hardest? 
because it's it's it yeah i mean it, it's the one that actually causes us to have to think for a minute <laughs> before we respond you know to be honest with you in the letting it go that's 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 a lot of that's an internal thing going on it's okay i'm going to choose to let it go and but you know when you get to this third one it's it goes beyond that it's like wait a minute Maybe there are some things I actually need to change. Because let me, let me give you this caution. It's not in, in the notes, but it's, it's coming to me right now. That w- we need to be careful that letting go doesn't mean that we dismiss. Because if we're just letting it go because we don't want to deal with it, that's something different. If we're letting it go because we're truly forgiving the person, we still maybe see some value there, but we're not going to respond to them, then that's okay. But if we're letting it go, just, eh, I don't want to deal with that. It's a little bit of a problem. I've done that many times. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm just letting it go. Well, what I'm really saying is I don't want to deal with that. Woo! Wow, it's, it's, it's getting real up in here right now. Woo! Well, right about now, you know, sometimes in the sermon you start with a story and sometimes you end with a story. So this time I'm going to end with a story. So it's a good time in the sermon for a Karen story. Woo! <laughs> now, in all truthfulness, it's really a Bob story, but Karen just happens to be in it. Okay, so, so it's, it, it's really about me, but, but she's in the story. So let me, let me say this. You know, Karen and I uh, spend a lot of time together. Now, that's actually a really good thing, right? But, I mean, think about it now. We work together. We're in ministry together. We're together a lot. Okay? I mean, I'm just saying. But it really is a good thing now. Come on, don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. But think about this. That also means, though, that we drive in the car a lot together. We, do, we just happen to drive a lot in the car together. Now... My driving has been a source of consternation for my bride for many years, okay? And sometimes that frustration I can perceive as criticism. Can you feel me on this? <laughs> Are there any backseat drivers in the house today? Any, any, any backseat drivers? Okay, any drivers that have backseat drivers in your car? Oh, I see a lot of hands. Yeah, this, I figured this one was going to kind of be, touch a nerve out there a little bit. So I think you see where I might be going with this. But this, you know, this, here's the thing. This seemingly small, sort of annoying criticism thing provides a beautiful example of how the three ways to respond to criticism can be played out. So let me, let me, let me share this with you. So first... When Karen begins to offer her critique, shall we call it, of, of, of my driving, whatever it may be at the time, number one, I, I have the ability, I have the opportunity to let it go. You know, I have the ability just to say, hey, thanks, babe, I <laughs> got it, Woo, and just keep, keep going. Now, I, I may be listening, I may be, but I'm not necessarily responding. I'm just, I'm just letting it go. Say, okay, thanks, babe, gotcha. Um, you know, I, I know the exit's three miles up. Okay, perfect even if I think I might be right, okay? However, here's, here's a little tidbit for you. That really doesn't matter in the moment, whether, whether I think I'm right or not. 
Because I've learned through experience that winning is not worth the fight. Hey, sometimes, sometimes when you're faced with critics, winning is not worth the fight, guys. Let me say that again. Winning almost always is not worth the fight. It just isn't. That's why we learn, need to learn to let it go. The matter of the issue is just not that important. It just isn't. Now, let's move to the second situation where I'm going to respond. And here's the only reason I would respond. If the suggestion that she's making about my driving, if I don't respond, is actually going to be worse. Okay? And so what is it? Oh, what did I wait about? What does that look like? Now, be careful. You're treading on. So, okay. So here, here's what that might look like. So we're driving down the road, and Karen says, hey, exit 52 is the one to take, right? Okay. But I just happened to have been to this place before, and I know that exit 53 actually is just a little bit shorter because there's a back road that she didn't know anything about. In that case, I might respond with, hey, babe, yeah, but you know what? Exit 53 actually gets us there a little bit faster. Now, I'm not responding in anger. I'm not, you know, responding to make her feel bad. I'm simply giving her information that she didn't have, right? So, so that's all I'm doing in this scenario. I'm, I'm not mad at, oh, what do you mean? I'm not getting off at exit 52. That's stupid. That's crazy. No, no. Hey, babe, exit 53 just gets us there a little bit faster, okay? So I'm, I'm responding, but I'm responding slowly and carefully, Slowly and carefully, okay? And not out of anger, out of trying to correct misinformation. That's the only reason I'm responding there. All right, now. Woo, come on. Now let's get to the hard one for me. (laughs) Number three, time to learn and grow. Because in all reality, most of the time, I would say the vast majority of the time, when she's pointing something out in my driving, it's actually accurate, right? It's actually well thought out. She knows the reason she's saying it, and it's just true, okay? It's just, it's just true. It just is what it is. Now, I need to learn and grow. Now, now I've, I've got to take inventory and say, okay, I've got to learn and grow. So, if she points out to me, that almost always you wait to the last minute to get in the lane you need before you exit. If she's pointing that out to me pretty consistently and I start missing exits, I need to learn and grow, okay? <laughs> that's, that, that, that's not a her thing. Now, that's, that's, that's a me thing, right? I'm missing exits. I'm screwing up, Okay? I need to learn, and I need to grow, okay? And I need to try next time to not wait quite so long to get into that lane before I exit, right? That's learning. That's growing. And as much as I might not want to hear get off at exit 52 and why are you waiting to the last minute to get in that lane again, I need to acknowledge the criticism, and I need to make some correction, okay? I need to acknowledge it and make some correction. Let me ask you this. Over the last 12 months, can you think of three things you, that you have either changed or are in the process of changing as a direct result 
of somebody's suggestion or criticism? Ask yourself that. If the answer is no, why not? Well, here's a thought. If you're like me, it's probably because your heart isn't in the right place. Because you are so busy defending your position that you're not letting people speak into you. And that you're not learning and growing. I'm telling you right now, all the things in our lives, if we can't identify three things in our life that we've either changed or are trying to change, we're not learning and growing. I mean, we should be doing three things a month. I don't know about you. I mean, I, I could think of ten things right now that I could improve in, get better at, based, you know, somewhat on her feedback, but feedback of other people. Now, I may not be able to do all ten of them, but can I start with two or three? Let me challenge this. Part of learning and growing is, is doing something. Constructive, you've heard the term constructive criticism. Well, real, true constructive criticism, that's the idea. Now, some people are going to couch constructive criticism as just criticism. Right? Well, I'm giving you constructive criticism. But he heard that before, right? Well, constructive criticism is what you make it. It's, what, it's how you receive it at the end of the day. No matter what the intended critic, like I said, I can tell you right now, your worst critic, your most harsh critic, there is something you can learn from them. Guarantee it. Because I get somewhere in there, there's probably some morsel of truth or of wisdom or of something that you might want to change in your life. That brings me to the final thing I want to talk about today. And that is our heart. How does our heart relate to critical people and to criticism? What, what does that have to do with anything? Well, Proverbs tells us, Say it with me if you know it. We should do what with our heart? We should guard it. We should guard our heart. Okay? So how do we guard our heart when it comes to criticism or critical people? First, we should guard our heart against letting the criticism of others get into our heart and make our heart sick. That happens when we take the criticism too deeply, internalize it, and think that that's who we are. Okay? Don't do that. Guard your heart against that. You see, here's the thing. You can't let compliments go to your head, and you can't let criticism get into your heart. I'm going to say that again. Don't let compliments go to your head, and don't let criticism get in your heart. You see, when you let compliments go to your head, what happens? Pride, right? You, know, you, you, you have an inflated or or higher view of yourself, then, then really, you know, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's, it's thinking of yourself less. Okay, so, so we've we got to have this balance. And you see, if we let criticism get in our heart, though, it gets it sick. It gets it discouraged. It gets it, man, that's, that's not what we want to let criticism do. We don't, you don't want your heart to get discouraged and hurt, and your confidence destroyed. That's not what we want. You see, that balance is, is so difficult to keep sometimes, but it's so important. It's so important. Don't let your critics derail your destiny. I'm going to say that again. Don't let your critics derail your destiny. Don't let them tell you who you are. 
let God tell you who you are. Come on. And with God, it's very clear. It says there is no, let me say this first. God does not criticize you. In fact, it says there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Okay, so God is not up there criticizing you. Oh, Bob, I didn't like the way you, uh, you know, spoke that message today, or I uh, didn't like the way you didn't give that homeless guy 10 bucks. Or, no, hey, I'm just telling you, man, God is not up there criticizing you. Okay, know that. Let your heart rest in that truth. God's not criticizing you. Let me also finally say this about our heart. Let me challenge us today to also guard our hearts from developing a critical spirit ourselves. Oh, the room got a little quiet. It should. It should because this is now, this is about you and me. If you're constantly looking for the bad before you look for the good, you might want to address that. You might want to be aware of that. You might want to let God deal with that in you. Ask God to show you how he looks at people. Not how, oh, you know, she just, why is she always doing that? Why is he always doing this? Oh, they're on Facebook. They got, no. How about looking for the good in people? That's what Jesus did. Now, Jesus pointed things out when he had to, to teach and correct. But Jesus always looked for the good in people first. God always looks for the good in you first. Thank God that he does that. God does not criticize you. God wants to reconcile us to himself. He doesn't want to look for reasons to exclude us. He doesn't want to look for reasons to show us how bad we are. He's trying to reconcile us to himself. And you and I, his word says, have been called ministers of reconciliation. That's what we're doing. We're reconciling people to him. Come on. And finally, I want you to remember this. There is a difference between critical thinking and having a critical spirit. Critical thinking is okay. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Critical thinking is simply the ability to actually analyze something well, accurately, take appropriate action. We need more critical thinking, right? Critical thinking just says, let's, let's objectively look at something, okay? Objectively. That's a big difference from a critical spirit. Critical spirit is always trying to find fault, always trying to assign blame. Friends, I'm telling you that is ungodly and it's unproductive. A critical spirit is both ungodly and unproductive. If you struggle with that, and I think we all do from time to time, let God work on that in you. Let him heal that in you. Let let him show you how he looks at people. There's a line in the song that we've all heard probably, let your heart break for what breaks God's heart. Let him learn how to do that in you. And I think you'll see that critical spirit begin to lift. You'll see it begin to go away because now you're looking at people the way God does. God's not criticizing them. God's loving them. God's not pointing out their flaws. He's reconciling them to himself. Learning to deal with criticism, learning to deal with critical people can be a hard thing. But with God's help, with God's help, we can do it. 
we can learn in most cases, almost all the time, to let it go. We can learn that when we do respond, that we do it slowly and carefully. And in it all, we can learn and grow. With every eye closed and every head bowed, let me, let me pray for us right now. Father God, we come before you now grateful and thankful that you do not condemn us or criticize us. Father, we know that when we accept Jesus, that we are fully accepted and approved by you. But God, we often have to deal with the criticism of others here on earth. Father, will you help us now to learn how to deal with critical people, learn how to love them the way that you would want us to? God, please give us the wisdom. God, give us the wisdom to know when to let things go and when to respond slowly. And Father, we pray that through the power of the Holy Ghost, you help us do that because, God, we can't do that on our own. And God, in all of us, give us the capacity to learn and to grow. Show us, Father God, how you want us to change what you want us to do. And Father, give us the strength, even when we hear criticism from corners that we may not want to hear it from. Don't let us get caught or paused in our pain or our anger. Don't let us get stuck there, God. Father, help us to learn and grow. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Now, with every eye still closed, every head bowed, Maybe there's somebody in this room who's not yet experienced that non-critical, non-judgmental love of a Savior. Jesus came to redeem you, not to condemn you. And maybe you've let the criticism of the world get into your heart. It's been a long time since you felt the free love that God gives us. And if that's you right now, Jesus is calling you to walk in a new way and into a new life. In support of anyone here that may be experiencing that, either for the first time or maybe for the first time in a long time, can we all just pray this prayer together? Just repeat after me. God, I want a new life in Jesus. A life free from the penalty and the pain of sin because I know that I am a sinner but through Jesus I can be made new I believe that today and I receive that today today I give my old way of life up so that I can walk in the new in Jesus name If God is transforming your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give at PursuitChurchSA.com slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to follow us to enjoy more messages like this.